All right, good morning, everybody. How are you? Did you have a great Thanksgiving? Have a good time. Anybody eat too much? All right. Confession time in the church. All right. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Now uh, you can put up your Christmas tree and uh, play Christmas songs all you want, guilt free. All right. From here on all the way, it's Christmas. All right. And so we're, anybody excited about Christmas coming? Man, I, I, it's my favorite time of the year. And that's why I want you to get your Bible out and open it up to Luke chapter one. Luke chapter one is where we're going to be today. Um, you know, when, when I come home from work and Liz comes home and we kind of get caught up, normally we'll ask each other, we'll say, well, how, how was your day? And uh, typically it goes like this. If, if my day went like I planned it, and if, um, if I got all my boxes checked off and I accomplished everything I wanted to accomplish, then I would say it was a good day, right? If, however, the day did not go as planned, I did not get but half my boxes checked off, or maybe none of my boxes checked off, and I got, you know, a lot of interruptions and things like that, then it probably was not a good day. That's kind of how we think about our day, right? Whether it's good or bad is based on whether my plan actually was put into effect, right? That makes for a good day. Uh, and, and we tend to think that interruptions or anything that goes awry from my plan is a bad thing. Interruptions are a bad thing. We're kind of conditioned as kids to this idea that interruptions are a bad thing, right? When, you're, when your kid comes up and interrupts your talk, you go, oh, no, don't interrupt, right? You got to put your hand on their leg or touch mama's hand or something. Get called on first because interruptions are bad. And then when you get, grow up, when you get into the marketplace, the business world, we learn that interruptions are the enemy of efficiency, for example, here's a clip from an article I read this week about that. It said researchers at the University of California in Irvine uh, found after careful observation that the typical office worker is interrupted or switched tasks on average every three minutes and five seconds. <laughs> I love that. And it, and it can, it usually takes about 23 minutes and 15 seconds just to get back on where you left off. Can anybody relate to that? I mean, we're constantly interrupted. We hate interruptions, right? It takes me half an hour to get back to doing what I was doing before. Interruptions are bad. That's how we feel about it. But let me ask you a question. What if interruptions were actually not a bad thing? What if interruptions were actually a God thing? Now, wait, just be patient with me for a minute. Let me play this out. You look at the life of Jesus and, and, and some of the greatest memories of Jesus, some of the wonderful miracles or encounters that people have with Jesus were not on the printed schedule or agenda for the day. There's a, a woman that's struggling, a, a father with a sick daughter, a, a, a Roman centurion that has a request. These were all interruptions to Jesus' day. And yet Jesus didn't see, at the end of the day, he didn't say, well, it was kind of a bad day. I didn't get all my boxes checked off. Jesus didn't see it that way. He saw interruptions, get this, he saw interruptions as uh, a divine, unexpected invitation to follow God's lead. So let me ask you that. What if you were to begin to see your interruptions in your day and in your life as not just interruptions that are bad, that keep you from fulfilling what you think your life should look like, but they are, in fact, God's divine, unexpected, unanticipated invitation to follow Him in a different way. What if it's God intervening in your life? What is God changing direction in your life? What if God has a better plan than you have? 
And he's trying to get you on board with his program instead of you trying to get him on board with yours. That's really what we're going to look at today out of Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 is the narrative that's a Christmas story about Jesus' birth and how the announcement came to Mary. But in addition to that, it is also a story about a young girl whose life got completely interrupted. And she had to learn how to adjust to that and how to follow God's plan and not her own. So let's look at it with me. Luke, Luke chapter 1, uh, beginning at verse 26. If you're with me, say amen. All right, this is, uh, this is the Word of God. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern the sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. It's a beautiful story about the announcement of the birth of Jesus. But it's also a story about how we deal with interruptions in our lives. And here's, here's a thought I want you to chew on today. I want you to think about today. I want to try to drive home today. I want you to jot this thought down. Get your paper out, pencil out, pen out. I want you to write down this statement. Interruptions are God's unexpected invitations to know and to follow him. Interruptions are God's unexpected invitation to know and to follow him. God is going to bring interruptions into our lives. Now, this, this story tells us a few things about interruptions. I just want to highlight a few of them. Here's the first one, that interruptions um, often come without warning. Uh, that's why they're an interruption, right? You don't expect them. You don't see them coming. Mary didn't see this coming. Mary had no idea that this was going to happen. When she woke up that morning, she had no idea that this was coming. This was totally out of left field. This was totally blindsiding her. This whole encounter, this whole plan that God had for your life was not something she ever, ever saw coming. And it, I would just want to remind you that this happened, this encounter happened on the backside of, of a period of, of 400 years of silence. Now, if you recall back in Jewish history that it had been 400 years since the last time God had spoken, since the last time there had been a prophet, since the last time there had been a miracle, since the last time there had been an angelic appearance. There had been over 400 years, and God had been radio silence for that long. 
The people probably thought God had long since forgotten about it. That would be like me saying uh, the last time God moved was 1618. That's how long it was for them. And yet, in kind of out of the middle of nowhere, and suddenly, unexpectedly, God began to move. God began to move. God, God showed up. An angel appeared to Mary. And he began to talk to her about God's plan for a coming Messiah and a coming king. And when he appeared, God didn't show up like we expected him to. He didn't show up in Rome or in Jerusalem, the centers of power in the day. He didn't show up to the powerful and the wealthy. He went, he showed up in a place in Galilee, which by the way, was the Redneck Riviera. You know, it's right, it was north of Jerusalem. It was in the backwater Gentile area, uh, intermixed group area. Galilee of the Gentiles. And then, if that wasn't bad enough, he appeared in a small little town called Nazareth. That nobody ever, you know, just a couple hundred people maybe that lived there. And then in Nazareth, he appeared to a young Jewish girl, probably somewhere between the age of 13 and 17. I mean, do you see the irony of all this? God has been silent. Now God's going to show up and he's going to show up in the least of the least of the least. I mean, if, Mary, if there was a definition for a nobody, it would have been Mary. She was a nobody. And yet, when the angel appears to her, he says, favored one, the Lord is with you. I mean, an amazing thing. Mary didn't plan on this. Mary didn't expect this. Mary didn't deserve this. Mary didn't ask for this. Mary didn't pray for this. I'm not even sure Mary even wanted this. But God showed up anyway. You know, many times, listen to me, a lot of times the interruptions in our life, a lot of times the interruption in our life don't feel like God's blessings, but they are. Many times the things that we don't expect, that we think immediately, don't, they feel like, feel like things going wrong, they are actually God's favor and God's grace because God is intervening in our life and he's taking us in a different direction that we would have never gone on our own. Interruptions happen suddenly, unexpectedly, out of the blue, without any warning, they come upon us. Second thing I wanna show you about these interruptions is that they don't make sense right away. They don't make sense. Gabriel appears to Mary and he, and he gives her this wonderful greeting. And then look at what he says in verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You will call his name Jesus. He will be great. We call the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. I mean, what are you talking about? He said, Mary, you know, your plans for your life was get married young, have a lot of babies, live in obscurity. That was your plan. Keep everything safe, everything predictable, everything confined, everything in, under control. And he said, God's got this whole different plan for your life. You're going to have a son and you're going to call him Yeshua, which is Hebrew. We'd, we'd get the Greek version of, of, of Jesus out of that name, but Yeshua, which means savior or one who saves. And he is going to be the God-man. He's going to be holy. He's not going to come from the progeny of a, of a human father. But God will be his father. He will be the God-man, God in flesh. And he will rule and reign over Israel's throne forever and ever and ever and ever. This is God's plan for you. 
I'm sure that's a lot for her to take in, don't you think? I mean, that would be a lot for anybody to take in. I mean, the fact that you're talking to an angel, it would be enough to, uh, to get you a little woozy, right? But, uh, but then what? Now, a, a baby? What? A God-man? What? In, in, eternal king? What are you talking about? It would be a lot for anybody to take in. And by the way, if you're here today and you go, yeah, Craig, that's my problem with, with Christianity. That's my problem is that I don't know that I believe all that stuff. I don't know that I believe this idea that God came in human flesh. Well, if you struggle with that, then you're not alone. Tim Keller, he writes, at no time has the idea of God becoming man fit comfortably within the prevailing wisdom of the age. In other words, there's not a time when everyone says, well, that makes a lot of sense. But it made sense to God. It was God's plan. It was God's purpose. Most interruptions don't make sense. When you're single and you want to be married and that relationship you thought was leading to marriage fails, that doesn't make sense. When you wanted to have a child and you can't get pregnant and it's miscarriage after miscarriage, it just doesn't make sense. When you, we tried to get into that graduate school and you just thought, man, God had me on this track to do this career and then all of a sudden you don't get in. That doesn't compute. That doesn't make sense. Many times God's interruptions come out of the blue and many times they come and they don't make any sense at all, at least from our perspective. Another thing that we know about these interruptions is that they're often described as impossible problems. They're, they look like a problem. They look like an impossibility. Look at what uh, Mary says when she hears all this that's going to happen to her. In verse 34, she asks a really honest question. She said, um, how will this be since I am a virgin? I mean, the angel goes on to explain that this is not going to be an ordinary birth, that the God who spoke everything into being out of nothing, that the God who created the universe and spoke and things happen is the same God that is going to speak into her womb and bring forth a child. Just as miraculous as creation is so miraculous is the incarnation that God will come in human form. And I'm sure she's just on her heels going, yeah, that, that's impossible. That's impossible. That doesn't make any sense. No, that, that can never happen. That's completely impossible. And, and, and I love later on the angel says to her, hey, let me just remind you of something. Nothing is impossible with God. By the way, doesn't, doesn't that give you hope that nothing is impossible with God? Nothing is outside of his reach. Nothing is beyond his capacity. Nothing is beyond his capability. That nothing is impossible with God. Interruptions, they come. They're God's intervention in our life. You know, as I was preparing this message this week, I got to this point and literally, I've stopped to pause for a minute to just to think about that. Think about the interruptions in my life. Think about how impossible some situations really seem. And my phone began to blow up with phone call after phone call, text message after text message of interruptions in your life. People that were going through crises in our church this week. Hey, did you hear about so-and-so's in the hospital? Hey, did you hear about this crisis that happened? Hey, have you checked on so-and-so? Do you know that this is happening in their life? And, 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 and so I stopped for a minute and I made the phone calls and made the visits and, and, and went to deal with those things. And I came back to my computer and I was like, where am I? Oh yeah, interruptions. 
They happen. They're real. But here's what we need to remember. And here's what I want you to remember. The interruptions are unexpected invitations to know God and to follow God. The interruption, the the thing that's not going right in your life, the thing that's not going according to plan is a divine invitation to follow him, to know him, to walk with him, to go his direction, to follow his lead in a way that will glorify God. So how do we deal with these interruptions in our lives? How do we deal with them? How do we do when our world does, our plan doesn't go like it should? How do we respond to them? I, I was thinking about a friend of ours, uh, Liz, and, Liz and my friends, and uh, they had an interruption in their life. They have wonderful family, great kids, just super incredible, talented, smart, beautiful looking family. And then they had an interruption. Their son came, uh, young in his 20s, came to visit them and he said, "Um, my girlfriend's pregnant. And everything stopped in that home. And there was a lot of emotions. They were angry. They were um, frustrated. They were doubting, you know, how could this happen? And they were embarrassed. They were worried. They, they, there was just, just a whole bundle of emotions going through their mind and in their heart. But I watched them work through those things and get to a place of seeing this as an invitation from God to be a blessing and to show grace and to raise up a little child to know Jesus. And I saw them respond to this invitation. So how are you going to respond when your invitation happens, when, when the th- life doesn't go the way you want it to? Let me give you a couple of thoughts. Here's the first one. If, when you're dealing with your interruptions, you need to deal with your own doubts. Deal with your doubts head on. You say, what are you talking about? Well, I'm sure that Mary doubted. Is this really going to happen? And I mean, how could this really happen? And, and I, I can't, uh, this doesn't make any sense to me. Mary had doubts. She was human, just like you and me. I'm certain her parents had doubts. I'm certain they had a very similar conversation to the the conversation that happened in my friend's home. You what? How could this be? And so you got to deal with your doubts. And so when you are dealing with an, an, an interruption in your life, when you're dealing with that, you need to come back to the place where you, you can remind yourself that God's got a plan. You need, to, you need to write down Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 and put it on your refrigerator. And here it is. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And right next to it, you can put uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. I, I'm not so sure about your plans you have for you, but I know the plans I have uh, for you, declares the Lord. Listen, God's plans are different than ours. God's perspective is higher than ours. God's wisdom is deeper than ours. God's view is longer than ours. See, Mary came to embrace the fact that even though she had doubts, it didn't mean that God was messing up. Even though she had doubts, it didn't mean that God made a mistake. 
Even though she has doubt, doesn't mean that God doesn't care or that God doesn't, doesn't uh, love her or that God doesn't, uh, uh, can't control the situation. But that's kind of where we go with our doubts. Well, God doesn't love me. God doesn't care about me. God, 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 doesn't, God can't control this. God can't change this. That's where our doubts take you. So when you're dealing with your doubts, here's what you need to do. Instead of fixating on what is unknown and un, uh, something you cannot understand, you need to go back to what is known and what you do understand. And that is the promises that God loves you. The promises that God is sovereign. The promises that God has a plan for your life. And the promise that his ways are greater than yours. And when you get back to that place, you can get your footing again. I think Mary had to finally, and her parents had to finally come to the place, well, I don't know that I understand all this, and God's totally taking us in a different direction, but you know what? God is sovereign. God has a plan. God's ways are not mine, and I'm going to trust him. You got to deal with your doubts. The second thing you need to do when you're dealing with interruptions in your life and many of you, by the way, are dealing with interruptions. After the first service, I had several people go, oh man, you have no idea the interruption I'm dealing with in my life right now. Second thing you need to do is you need to walk in community. You gotta, you gotta walk this out alongside somebody else. What Mary does is she's living, living, uh, leaving this conversation and I'm sure her head is spinning and she goes to see Elizabeth, her cousin. And it's there that she sees that Elizabeth is pregnant. She's dealing with her own interruption, right? Her own divine interruption in her life. And so they talk these things out. And I'm not really sure exactly what happens. I know they talked about the child. I know that Elizabeth had perspective that Mary didn't have. And so she pours into Mary's life. She's just a young girl. And then what happens is on the backside of it, you read in Luke chapter two, that Mary goes into this great song. It's called the Magnificat or the praise of Mary, where she praises God for his grace in her life. And she praises God that he's sovereign and in control and ruling the nations. And he is bringing his Messiah down to earth through her. I mean, it's this beautiful hymn of praise. How did she get from, I don't get this, to praising God? Well, somewhere in between there, a woman named Elizabeth came alongside her and put her arm around her and said, let's talk this out. And when you and I are dealing with our interruptions and they're real and they look like mess ups and they look like God doesn't care, we don't understand them. If we can have somebody come alongside us and say, hey, remember that these interruptions are just unexpected invitations to follow God, to know him and to follow him. The God's at work redirecting, God's at work intervening in your life. And, and you have, we need people to help us put the pieces together to encourage us to keep walking with God. I was talking with a lady this week who uh, is in a, uh, worked uh, for an organization, was doing a great job. She's a, a, a great uh, a leader and, and what she does, she does very, very well. But God began to deal with her that the, the conviction that she felt like that that she was neglecting her family for her job. God began to speak to her in the word. She was journaling these things down. God began to deal with her through other circumstances and she was writing these things down. But it didn't make sense. I mean, this is what she wanted to do. This is what she was gifted to do. This is how God had wired her up. And why would God tell her not to, to do that anymore? And so she went and she visited with a couple of older women, some Elizabeths in her life. And those women spoke truth in her life and confirmed what God had been telling her. 
And so she stepped away from that organization to do some freelance work at home uh, in order to prioritize this brief time she has with her child. And she said, I have never been at more peace than I am right now. She goes, this doesn't make sense. It's a huge leap of faith, but I am at peace that this is what God has for me. Listen, we need people like that in our life that will speak it, truth. Do you have somebody like that in your life that will come alongside you and help you put the pieces together? Interruptions are just unexpected invitations to know and follow God. And they come out of nowhere. And we need, we need people that will put their arm around us, encourage us. We need to get back to, to dealing with our own doubts. And here's the last thing. We need to surrender our will to God. I love how Mary kind of wraps this up at the end of verse 38. She says, let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. Ultimately, Mary got to the place after she wrestled with her doubts, after she talked it out with other people and godly counsel, she finally got to a place and said, you know what? My dreams for my life, I'm going to hold loosely in my hands because I can't control anything. And God, I really want what you want. Mary surrendering to God's plan would cost her. She would be forever misunderstood. I'm sure her parents did not understand. I'm sure the community that she lived in did not understand. She would be shamed. She would be pushed away. She would be looked at as someone who was unfaithful to her fiance, someone who lived on the moral edge. But she was willing to pay the price because she wanted to do what God wanted her to do. She surrendered her will for God's best. And she said, if God, is this what you have for me? Then let it be to me as you've determined. Can you say that? God, whatever you want, let it be to me as you've determined. If this is your will, that's what I want. Whatever it costs me, this is what I want. The interesting thing about Mary's surrender is it is actually a foreshadowing of what her child would do. When Jesus would grow into a man and he would find himself in this crossroads of a decision at Gethsemane and he would say, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. Where did he learn that? I think he learned it from watching his mom, watching her surrender to her father's will so that he could surrender to his father's will in that moment. Listen, we all deal with interruptions in life. They're coming. If they haven't shown up at your doorstep, they're coming. Maybe this week, maybe next week. But in, interruptions are just unexpected invitations to know and to follow Jesus in a deeper way. So how are you dealing with the interruption in your life right now? 